A $280 billion spending bill is signed into law. The future of the chip industry is going to be made in America. It aims to boost the American semiconductor industry and reduce dependency on China. Another bill also gets introduced. If passed, it would block the Chinese Communist Party from buying farmland in America. The continued practice has been called a national security issue. Twitter's co-founder is calling for the end of the Chinese Communist Party. His statement comes as a massive movement of getting Chinese people to quit the party reaches a new milestone. And China keeps upping its pressure on Taiwan by continuing military drills. Taiwan warns that Beijing is using the exercises as preparation to invade the island. The U.S. reacts. Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. A long-awaited U.S. semiconductor bill becomes law today. What does it mean for the chip industry and how could it impact your life? NTD's Iris Tao has more. Signing into law a $280 billion semiconductor bill, President Biden vowing... The future of the chip industry is going to be made in America. The bill, formerly known as the Chips and Science Act, passed the House and Senate last month with rare bipartisan support. And it came after more than a year of wrangling on the Hill and multiple versions of the legislation. The package includes more than $50 billion for chip manufacturing and research and development. And that, Biden says, will help the U.S. counter China, which has publicly opposed the legislation. And China is trying to move away ahead of us and manufacture these sophisticated chips as well. It's no wonder the Chinese Communist Party actively lobbied U.S. business against this bill. Other officials adding that chips, which are essential to cars and smartphones, are a matter of national security. And our over-reliance on foreign manufacturers is a real vulnerability. But as has been said, that's going to change. But critics from both sides of the aisle have blasted the bill as a corporate handout. The fact that we're putting even more money, billions of dollars, into economy, which is already suffering from record high inflation. And while Biden promises... This law is not handing out blank checks to companies. Today, I'm ordering my administration to be laser-focused on the guardrails that will protect taxpayers' dollars. Others have expressed doubt about whether those measures would actually work. The so-called guardrails would do nothing to prevent microchip companies from outsourcing a single job abroad. In fact, the so-called guardrails would not even force Intel to divest all of the money they are put into semiconductor companies in China. Reporting in Washington, D.C., Iris Tao, NTD News. China's top chip manufacturer, YMTC, could soon be joining Huawei on the U.S. trade blacklist. More from NTD's Chenny Wu. YMTC produces NAND flash memory chips, which store data in devices like smartphones and personal computers. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and several other senators wrote in a letter that YMTC is an immediate threat to both national security and domestic chip companies. The letter requested Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo place restrictions on the Chinese company. The senators wrote that by failing to add YMTC to the entity list, the U.S. Department of Commerce is allowing the PRC to exploit our technological sector and supply sanctioned parties in China. 
The PRC stands for the People's Republic of China, the country's formal name. U.S. exports the companies placed on the Commerce Department's trade blacklist, officially known as the Entity List, are restricted. Chinese telecom company Huawei was put on the list in 2019. Though the letter said YMTC is still supplying them, which decreases the sanctions' effectiveness. Chen Wu, NTD News. Top Korean microchip makers are weighing a big shift whether to shrink their investments in China. Tech companies Samsung Electronics and SK Hynix are now in the process of reevaluating. The possible shift is driven by the impacts of the U.S. Chips and Science Act. The act grants over $50 billion to develop the U.S. chip industry, but it also prohibits those who receive the grants from upgrading their advanced chipmaking operations in China for the next decade. According to a Korean government advisor, the bloc on China will accelerate Korean chipmaker shift to the U.S. from China. For that, he cited geopolitical reasons. As part of Washington's campaign to curb Beijing's military expansion efforts, the Biden administration has adapted a series of policies to stop China from getting its hands on advanced chip technology. Strategies include export controls, investment screening, and generous financial aid to non-Chinese tech companies. Chinese investors continue to buy up farmland in the United States. Now two U.S. senators are trying to block the Chinese Communist Party from buying any U.S. farmland, calling it a security risk. NTD's Jason Perry has the story. Many raised concerns after a business linked to the Chinese Communist Party bought farmland near a U.S. military base in North Dakota. Recently, Republican Senators Tom Cotton and Tommy Tuberville proposed a bill that would prevent the Chinese Communist Party from buying farmland in America. In a statement, Cotton said approximately 14 states already have some level of foreign ownership restriction, but there are no federal laws on the amount of private farmland that can be owned by foreigners. We shouldn't be letting uh, the CCP buy land in the United States. I mean, it's, it's, it's ludicrous when you think about it. I spoke with geopolitical analyst Anders Kaur, who is also the publisher of the Journal of Political Risk. The Chinese Communist Party is so adversarial, so aggressive. I mean, we've seen that in the past days in Taiwan. Uh, we know there's a Uyghur genocide. We know there's a Falun Gong genocide. Um, for all these reasons, uh, we should really put more regulations on how we do business uh, with the Chinese Communist Party. As for land already purchased by the CCP, Core explains that there are laws in the books that would allow the United States to take back ownership. If the owner doesn't want to sell the property, the government can force the owner to sell the property via eminent domain um, at market rates. Um, but in this case, um, we could use eminent domain um, uh, based on national security principles to purchase the land from the CCP where they've already purchased it. Um, but we also need laws um, that would deny them the ability to purchase it uh, in the first place um, for future potential purchases. Chinese investors' holdings of U.S. farmland grew from around 13,000 acres in 2010 to over 350,000 acres in 2020, according to Senator Cotton's statement. In total, it makes up about 1% of the total amount of foreign-owned farmland in the U.S. Jason Perry, NTD News. 
Former Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey is calling for the end of the Chinese regime. In a Twitter post, Dorsey wrote, End the CCP. The acronym is short for the Chinese Communist Party. His post comes in response to a report about Beijing's strict COVID-19 measures. Jack Dorsey's post has attracted over 12,000 retweets and 60,000 likes. Dorsey's tweet coincides with a grassroots movement that has just reached a new milestone. Under it, over 400 million Chinese people have quit the Chinese Communist Party and its linked organizations. They have announced their decisions through a website hosted by the Chinese-language version of the Epoch Times newspaper. Many use pseudonyms for safety reasons. The nonprofit that tracks the movement held a rally in New York last week to celebrate the momentum. One of the rally attendees shared how his family had been persecuted by the Communist Party. Uh, my mother is a Jehovah Witness, and uh, she went to a work camp, basically the same as a working prison for 20 years. They say they'll let her go if she deny God. Uh, she refused. That's why she stayed for the whole term. The grassroots movement dates back to the early 2000s. It was inspired by an award-winning editorial series by news outlet The Epoch Times. The series is called Nine Commentaries on the Communist Party. The book digs into the roots of the Chinese Communist Party. It combs through the regime's history of mass murder, indoctrination, and the impacts of major historical events under its rule. Despite being strictly censored, the book has been spreading inside mainland China and has led to the grassroots movement of quitting the party. Those that have quit the party sometimes share statements about their reasons for leaving. A statement from a Shanghai resident reads, I hope China will see real freedom and democracy soon, and Chinese citizens will have freedom of speech. Taiwan is ringing alarm bells over Beijing's extended military drill. It says China is using the exercise to gear up for an invasion. This as Beijing continues cranking up threats to take the island by flexing its military might nearby. NTD's Juliet Song has more on that. A warning from Taiwan's top diplomat. That says China continues its military drill near the island. China has used the drills it is military playbook to prepare for the invasion of Taiwan. It is conducting large-scale military exercises and missile launches, as well as cyber attacks, disinformation campaign, and economic coercion in an attempt to weaken public morale in Taiwan. Wu says Beijing aims to control the East China Sea and the South China Sea via the Taiwan Strait. That way, Beijing can prevent the U.S. from aiding Taiwan. China started its drill last week, following House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's landmark visit to the island. For your leadership. China's military has crossed the median line during the drill. That's the unofficial divide between mainland China and Taiwan. But Taiwan's defense ministry noted Chinese warships didn't enter the island's territorial waters. Here's President Biden's reaction to the drill. Mr. President, how worried are you about the situation in Taiwan? Because China is they're kind of keeping a bit of a grip around the whole island now. I am, uh, I'm not worried, but I'm concerned that they're moving as much as they are. But I don't think they're going to do anything more. I as for House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, she says Chinese leader Xi Jinping is acting like a scared bully. In an interview with MSNBC, Pelosi said, quote, 
I think that he's in a fragile crisis, adding that Xi Jinping is having problems with his economy. The Pentagon released an earlier estimate that Beijing would not take Taiwan within the next two years. A high-level official said on Monday that the assessment hasn't changed. We're not going to take the bait, and it's not going to work.、Uh, uh, so it's a manufactured crisis. That that doesn't mean we have to play into that.、Um, I think it would only play uh, to uh, Beijing's advantage. He explains what the U.S. military will do instead. What's important for us right now、um, is to make sure that Beijing understands that our forces in the region will continue to operate, to fly, to sail wherever international waters allows. That includes the Taiwan Strait. Carl said a U.S. warship will pass through the Taiwan Strait in the coming weeks. Juliet Song, NTD News. But it's not just China. Taiwan is also taking its own action. The island picked up routine military exercises on Tuesday. Taiwanese military personnel were seen firing artillery out to sea as part of long scheduled drills. Taiwan's defense ministry said the routine drills are aimed at boosting the military's readiness, adding that they are not scheduled in response to China's recent military exercises around Taiwan. One mother observed the drills from a distance. She said her son was participating in the exercise. I'm coming here to see the results of what he's been devoting himself to from a distance, and to help provide some moral support because I think soldiers are great, diligent, and hardworking. Chen called Beijing's recent actions childish and unnecessary. China's actions are like a group of children surrounding you, yelling at you, and telling you what to do. I feel it's quite childish. In fact, we all have our own standpoint, and a country has its own standpoint. China really does not have to do all of this. Local media report that the drills will start up again on Thursday. Beyond Taiwan, more drills are happening in the Pacific. Japan and the Solomon Islands held a military security exercise on Monday. A U.S. combat ship also joined in. The event marked the first drill of its kind. Japan and the Solomon Islands are about 3,500 miles apart, but their common concerns over China's growing military might in the region have drawn them closer. Japan is a neighbor to both China and Taiwan. It could face direct impacts if China invades Taiwan. Beyond that, it's home to the most advanced technology in the region and is an important U.S. ally. On the other hand, the Solomon Islands caught international attention earlier this year when it signed a deal with China. The agreement would allow Chinese ships to dock in the Pacific Island country. Fears quickly rose that it would allow Beijing to expand its military presence closer to both Australia and the U.S. The Japan-Solomon Islands joint drill is part of the West's efforts to counter the Chinese communist regime and its infiltration in the Indo-Pacific region. Coming up, the CIA says it's shifting focus to the Chinese communist regime. That's one week after the drone strike that killed terrorist group Al Qaeda's leader, and a step further in reducing dependence on China. A former Tesla executive is set to build a U.S.-based factory for battery-making material. The kind used in electric vehicles. Right now, China dominates the sector. Find out more after the break here on China in Focus.
Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. A year after the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan and a week after the drone strike that killed the leader of al-Qaeda, the CIA says it's shifting its focus and resources to China. Here are the details. In a recent closed-door meeting with leaders of the agency's counterterrorism center, CIA Deputy Director David Cohen made clear that fighting al-Qaeda and other terrorist groups would remain a priority, but that the agency's money and resources would be increasingly shifted to focusing on China. He says the agency's top priority is trying to understand and counter the Chinese regime. U.S. intelligence agencies are moving hundreds of officers to China-focused positions, including some who were previously working on terrorism. The CIA last year announced it would create two new mission centers, one on China, one on emerging technologies. The centers would centralize and improve intelligence collection on those issues. The CIA is also trying to recruit more Chinese speakers and reduce wait times on security clearances to hire new people faster. Many former intelligence officers and lawmakers from both parties say it's overdue. Democratic Congressman Jason Crow said, quote, a far greater existential threat is Russia and China, adding that terrorist groups, quote, will not destroy the American way of life the way China can. In particular, lawmakers say they want more information about China's development in advanced technologies. Congressional committees are trying to better track how intelligence agencies spend their funding on China. They are seeking more detail about how specific programs contribute to that mission. Republican Congressman Chris Stewart said, quote, We are late, but it's good that we're finally changing our focus into that region. A former Tesla executive says he's going to build a battery materials plant for electric vehicles. This would be one of the first U.S. plants to produce these materials. It's a small step towards becoming less dependent on a country that dominates the industry. NTD's Colin Fredrickson has more. Tesla's former chief technology officer is reportedly planning on building a battery materials factory in Nevada the first in the U.S. to make important ingredients for electric vehicle batteries. His company, Redwood Materials, is spending $3.5 billion on the plant, which will make the U.S. less reliant on China. China today dominates about 80 percent of the global uh, lithium-iron battery market. Stefan Koster is a senior policy analyst at the Information Technology and Innovation Foundation. Koster says that while China dominates, its market share is expected to drop as the electric vehicle market grows. Rather than having the materials brought to the United States to be assembled in plants that Panasonic or LG owns and operates, what we need to do is we need to build end-to-end -end, uh, supply chains from the, the basic lithium, cobalt, uh, uh, nickel, copper, etc., all those basic materials to the more complicated anodes, cathodes, along with the cells and the final packaging and manufacturing of the batteries. While the U.S. has been investing in battery production over the past two years, it's done very little regarding making the materials that are needed to make those batteries until the Redwood Materials plant. They're the leader in uh, recycling of the batteries, and the totally makes sense for them to be able to manufacture batteries as well. Maxim Kaber is the marketing director at One Charge Lithium Batteries, which makes lithium batteries for industrial equipment. Kaber says the U.S. is at a disadvantage in regards to mineral refining, a key part of the battery making process. No, it's not that hard. Uh, it just requires uh, investment, and the investment has to be substantiated by the, um, uh, if not immediate, uh, at least midterm profit. The profits are 
uh, harder in the US because of the cost of labor and because of also because of the um, strict regulations. China currently makes around 90% of all anode materials and 80% of all cathode material. The race isn't over and they won't be the dominant player forever. Stefan Koster, the senior policy analyst, believes other countries will eventually catch up because they have enough of an incentive to do so. Colin Fredrickson, NTD News. Over in the financial sector, not a single Chinese company has listed in the United States this year. That figure is down from 29 last year. At the same time, the more than 200 Chinese firms already listed on U.S. stock exchanges are facing possible delisting. All companies listed in the U.S. are obligated to grant American regulators access to their books. But the Chinese regime has repeatedly denied that access, citing national security concerns. For two years, Washington has been ramping up scrutiny on Chinese companies, insisting on full audits of their books. Companies that don't comply will be asked to leave the U.S. market by early next year. To fill in that gap, Latin American companies may replace some of the IPOs or initial public offerings from Chinese companies. Nasdaq's global head of capital markets visited San Paulo last week to discuss potential listings with Brazilian companies. While there, he said he saw a lot of new, interesting companies. Also on the trading front, a Utah-based clothing company is in hot water with the Federal Trade Commission. The company is called Lions Not Sheep, and the FTC slapped it with an over $200,000 fine. That's for falsely claiming its clothing is American-made. The agency says it removed clothing tags that showed its apparel was made in China or other countries and replaced them with fake ones that said made in the USA. On top of the fine, the clothing brand was also ordered to stop making bogus claims and to come clean about its forward manufacturing pipeline. The online retailer mainly sells t-shirts, sweatshirts and jackets. Now we turn to the U.S.'s backyard. Some countries in South America are seeking a trade zone with communist China, while others are staying cautious. That's as the U.S. warns of the Chinese regime's infiltration into the region, using trade as political leverage. Let's take a look. Uruguay will push for a free trade agreement with the Chinese regime. That update comes from the South American country's top diplomat. The effort has already seen resistance from some of its neighbors. They favor regional trade talks instead of deals involving just one nation. The plan was announced as the Mercosur trade bloc countries held their annual summit. There they discussed opening the South American trade zone to China. The bloc consists of Argentina, Brazil, Uruguay and Paraguay. Argentina's president is also in favor of common negotiations with China. In the same way as we did with Singapore, which was possible, if there's any possibility to think of an agreement between Mercosur and China, why don't we analyze it together? Why don't we see its common feasibility? The agreement will be more important if we add Brazil's 200 million population. It will be stronger. Also, take into account that among us four, there is a country that already has commercial ties with China. Why don't we think of us as what we are, a single space? The Uruguayan president said his country will launch formal trade negotiations with communist China. That's in order to boost exports of raw materials, industrialized products and technology. 
For years, Beijing has sought closer trade ties with the emerging markets of Latin America. But the U.S. has warned about the Communist Party's efforts to use trade ties as political leverage and to help expand its influence in the region. The U.S. also voiced concern that Beijing's involvement in Latin American infrastructure projects could create unsustainable debt burdens for the countries involved, or even national security worries, given Beijing's history of espionage activities. Paraguay's president is asking for caution, saying the countries should study the possible impacts before signing up for anything with Beijing. We have to evaluate the individual impact to each state member of every commercial agreement we individually negotiate with different economies. Paraguay does not have diplomatic relations with the Chinese communist regime. Instead, it's one of the few countries that maintains diplomatic ties with Taiwan. In a previous interview, Brazilian journalist Rafael Fontana highlighted the Chinese Communist Party's infiltration into Latin America, especially Brazil. The Brazilian government was blackmailed by the Chinese regime. Uh, if Brazil didn't allow Huawei to build the 5G infrastructure inside the country, China wouldn't sell coronavirus vaccines to Brazil. Fontana worked as a journalist in China. After returning to Brazil, Chinese telecom giant Huawei hired him as a PR director. Through that relationship, he got an inside look into how the regime operates. When I was interviewed by the vice president of the communications in Brazil, I realized that he was a member of the CCP. A few days later, I attended a meeting in Sao Paulo, and all the top exec executives in the office were members of the party. Experts say if America continues to turn a blind eye, Beijing may take over Washington's place in the region, something that could threaten the U.S. That's all for today's China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocus@ntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching and see you tomorrow. The 2022 NTD 8th International Chinese Vocal Competition will be held from September 29th to October 2nd at the Merkin Hall of Kaufman Music Center in New York City. The competition is honored to have specially invited vocalists with the world-renowned Shen Yun Performing Arts to serve on its panel of judges. The gold award is $10,000. For more information, please visit vocal.ntdtv.com.